Welcome to the To Faithful Men podcast. This project started in 2006 to preserve old sermon and study tapes of Wiley Flanagan, Hassel Wallace, and Mike Strevel. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Well, now then, let's look uh, uh, at the the greeting first. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus. Now, as we said a while ago, that uh, whoever this angel is, uh, I don't believe it's a heavenly being here. I don't believe it's a guardian angel, because I think that uh, somebody carried this letter. See, when John, John, the Lord told him to write it and to send it, to these churches, he didn't. It wasn't. It wasn't sent by word of mouth. There was a this written letter. Uh, he just had one copy, all of it, just like it is here, was in one uh, one uh, volume, and he this messenger carried it uh, to the first church. Now, well, when he got to Ephesus and to this church, well, who's he going to deliver it to? He's going to look up somebody that knows something about where the church meets. Of course, it was the building wasn't the church, of course, but the people. Where did those people meet? Well, now, he had to find somebody that knows. And that's who this angel is anyway. If he's a pastor, and that's who I really think he is. All right. Uh, on to the... Uh, now, nothing... Uh, uh, nothing more, no commendation to the pastor, nothing said about that, see, just addresses him. These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand. Now notice that expression, saith he. You have that in the beginning of each letter, and you have it at the close of each letter. The saith he is Christ. Uh, and also the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Lord is in heaven. But the Holy Spirit uh, uh, can be present and is present everywhere. And when uh, when the scripture says that the seven spirits, and you're going to find out that this person that says, that is the he of the saith, saith he, is the Lord Jesus Christ, and he has his seven spirits in his hand also. Well, uh, that's the Holy Spirit, meaning that the Holy Spirit uh, is in each church, to each church, you see. Uh, so, now he says, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Now, who does what? Now, he's i tell you what he's doing. Uh, this person that's walking in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, he's got a privilege that you haven't got. Why? Because there were no bars in these churches. See, he could go to all seven of these churches. He walketh in the midst of all. He didn't run into a bar. He didn't run into an obstruction. See? I know, uh, then he says, I know Thy works. Now notice uh, this expression: uh, "Who holdeth, uh, who holdeth, 
the stars in his the seven stars in his right hand in verse one uh, chapter one verse sixteen uh, and he that had in his right hand seven stars don't you see now what I mean by the characterization the characterization of Christ it, to the church at Ephesus uh, concerns him who has the stars in his right hand you see. Now that's a, that's a figure of speech. That's a, a, a that's a title. That's uh, something that the Son of God is doing, and it's taken from verse sixteen out of the vision that John saw about Jesus. You see, all right. Verse two says, "I know thy works." There's no uh, nobody ever did dispute uh, the claims and these charges. Uh, so he says, I know thy works. Now the word works here is not only, uh, has reference to deeds, but it has to do with their manner of life, their living. He knew their, uh, their livelihood. He knew the way they lived, uh, uh, their faithfulness and, uh, uh, and, and loyalty to, uh, to the Lord. And then he says he knew their labor and patience, see? Uh, now, the word labor is toil, and the word for patience is for their endurance. So now we come to his commendation. Every church is commended. Every church, now this is the praise that Christ heaps upon this church. He says, now, I know thy works. And they were satisfied, satisfactory. They were above a passing grade. And he says, thy labor, that, this word labor here is the it's toil, it's the hardest, it's a labor that was uh, many hours spent. And this is not labor on building a project somewhere. This was religious labor. This was labor in the Lord. And then endurance, they, uh, they held out. They, were, they didn't work a little while and quit. It was a continuous warfare. And, and by patience. Uh, see, they... Uh, and that uh, involves their their endurance. And how thou canst not bear them which are evil. Now that doesn't mean uh, that they couldn't put up with somebody that wasn't perfect. But this word means it's a reference to uh, their religious leaders, with reference to teachers, with reference to prophets, with reference to people that uh, came through there. And I might better uh, make this statement about apostles. In the Bible... Uh, there seems to be uh, two grades or two classifications or two kinds of apostles. Uh, the twelve apostles, the twelve original apostles, uh, they had a plane, they had a sphere. Uh, to me, I, I doubt not. All on their own. That was a level, it was, a, it was power, it was authority that none other possessed. And then, there were other apostles, Paul and, and Barnabas and Silas were apostles of this order. You remember when Paul wrote the letter to the Romans, uh, to the church at Rome, he said uh, he had some kinfolks over in Rome before he ever got there as a prisoner. Uh, the, and uh, Romans, the 16th chapter, names them. They were Adronicus and Junus, his kinsmen in the flesh. And uh, he classifies as them, uh, 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 apparently, 
among the They were recognized as apostles. Uh, and you remember James is another apostle. Uh, separate and apart from the James uh, who was a brother of John. Uh, you remember when uh, uh, in the in the Bible well, you have reference to uh, uh, this James. First uh, Corinthians 15. Uh, but there were there were apostles, uh, they, they traveled. They seemed to be evangelists. They went everywhere. I don't know what authority they had, what limited authority, but they, from the scriptures, uh, from the way these churches read, uh, it shows that they recognize them as, uh, as their, uh, as having a special gift, special power, and a special authority from God. Now, the church at, uh, at Ephesus, the last words, you know, when Paul came, uh, stopped at Miletus and sent for the elders, he came down and he told them, uh, uh, that there was, they were going to soon have some trouble. He said there were going to be some wolves. He said some are going to come from without. And he said some are going to come up from your own midst, already in there. Uh, what were they? There's going to be false prophets, he said. And, uh, a, a false prophet was, uh, was a, a man who claimed to be a prophet who preached a non-apostolic message. And, uh, so, uh, Paul says, uh, so Jesus says to them, now I know uh, your works, I know your labor, I know how you've been living, I know your patience, I know how you've endured many things, and I know that you can't put up with those false apostles of evil. Thou hast tried, now notice, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. Now, the church at Ephesus obeyed John uh, in his writing in First John four, you know he says, "Try the spirits uh, to see whether they uh, see if they are true prophets, true apostles when they come unto you." Well, here the church at Ephesus had done that, and they they could pick out a false prophet the very moment that he uh, put his head in the door. See, and the Lord commended him for that. He said, uh, uh, but they got, to, they, they, they became specialists at this business of, uh, finding out who was preaching what and, and the character of this man and that man. And, uh, of course, evidently they must have stepped on somebody's toes in the church. They, they carried this thing. They were so good at it. And there's no indication that they wanted to go up to Smyrna and, and try to tell them how to judge uh, false apostle. Nothing said about where, that they went somewhere else. But they continued to operate in Ephesus. Uh, but it seems like that that became their hobby. Oh, they were, the main thing, if they could just detect these false prophets, they, they, that's, that was all that God expected them to do. In doing that, uh, you have the criticism, you have the Lord's criticism upon them. This, uh, and he says, 
uh, and thou hast borne and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored and hast not fainted. That's verse three is a still a, a continuation of uh, uh, of their uh, good deeds that they were commended for. But now look at verse four. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Now they had uh, 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 somebody had got offended, you see, in their condemning some of these prophets, no doubt. Because uh, when you when you start doing that, and especially these that came up from within, see, uh, that's that's what given. Long as a person came from some other territory that they didn't know, that's all right. But when some man came up from within the church, and of course, no doubt, he wasn't opposing the church. He just wanted to, he just wanted to refine it. He just wanted to restore it. He just wanted to, uh, to make it, uh, more scriptural, see. Uh, and, and boy, they, they caught them, see. But now in doing so, uh, uh, no doubt they, they lost their first love, it says. In other words, they quit loving one another. And they quit loving God like they had done at first. And he said, remember therefore, now here's a call to them. Remember. Now three things he's gonna, he's gonna call upon them to do here. Remember? That's the first thing. Wherefore, from whence thou art called. But that's the problem. Uh, the person that is guilty never realizes he's guilty. See? And he tells him to remember from what you have, uh, 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 remember the, uh, where you were. But he doesn't give any indications that he's consciously that he's a false prophet. You never, uh, read about one coming, saying anywhere I'm a false prophet. Then or now. See? Alright, you remember, uh, the, uh, the story of the prodigal son has, uh, uh maybe a little information here. Uh, uh, the, the, the story says that when he came to himself, well, that's when he remembered. See? Well, now, that doesn't mean that he wasn't capable of remembering before now. Somebody hadn't hit him on the head and, and he hadn't, uh, didn't have, uh, he, he didn't have amnesia up to this time. He had spiritual amnesia, but he didn't, uh, he knew who he was. He knew where his father lived. He knew all about that while he was uh, spending his money and, and, and in hog pen, see? But now when, uh, when uh, he told him to remember, well now, he remembered when he came to himself. But then he did something else. Now this, uh, the second thing here is repent. Well, if he, uh, the, uh, the prodigal son, it wasn't no trouble for him to repent after he remembered. See? Then, because he said, the prodigal son says, he came to himself and he says, I'll go to my father and I'll tell him what? I have sinned. He didn't say, Father, I might have done wrong. No. He went back and he was ready to say and he'd already admitted, I have sinned. Personal, it was his personal responsibility and nobody else. He was to blame. When he repented, when he remembered, that's what he remembered. He remembered he and he only was to blame of the matter. And then he, uh, his repentance, well, uh, came uh, immediately. Uh, and he says, I'll go and, 
And I'll say to my father, now, I don't want you to put me back as uh, 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 what I had. I'll just take a job back here as a servant, see, just a hired hand. Well, that's what uh, the apostle says. Now, he says, remember, then repent, and now the third thing, do the first uh, do the first works. In other words, uh, go back to living like you've been done. Treating one another as, as you have in the past, see? They have, they had something, uh, come up among them. So, he says, or else I will come. And this word come is, means, uh, just like you would uh, go from one place to another. The Lord's gonna come now in judgment. I'll come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thy repent. Uh, that means that the church, uh, it, it, it'll just, uh, go out of business. Uh, it's, it dies. And this church did die, and then not too long. Uh, I don't know how long, uh, Ignatius wrote a, uh, a letter some 65 years after this to the to the pastor, uh, Onesimus, uh, of this church, and we have it intact. You, uh, it's in available you know, today. Uh, but he says, then in verse, uh, verse six, but this thou, ha- uh, thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Now, you see, they, uh, the, the Nicolaitans, now you're gonna, uh, find them again in the church at Pergamos. Uh, the Nicolaitans, uh, were, the, uh, is, uh, come, the word itself means, uh, uh, to rule or to domineer or to have authority over the people. Uh, and, uh, some say that Nicholas, you know, the deacon, uh, Antioch went up to Antioch. Uh, well, they say that uh, he went bad, some of them, and that he turned out to be a, uh, a false prophet, so to speak. And he went over there and he started advocating because Syria, uh, Antioch there, this church that I referred to all ago where they had this temple, they, uh, they had their, the pagans where they worshipped and sex was the main item of all of these false temples, see, that, that was practiced out, uh, I mean, uh, it was public knowledge, there was no, no concern about it, I mean, nobody thought anything wrong with it, uh, in Corinth, or in, uh, in Ephesus, or in Smyrna, Pergamos, all of this area. Uh, well, the Psalms of Eli, um, must have had this mid Nicolaitans in that respect, you see, well, what, uh, the, uh, as it'll turn up when we get to Pergamos, uh, the, uh, what they held and what they be- believed was that, uh, and when it got into the church, the ones that brought, that held on to that idea and to, to be in the church were people that, uh, said that the spirit was not affected by what the body did. In other words, it, uh, the body was evil, uh, uh, but the spirit uh, was the only thing that uh, was good about man. 
and the body, it could uh, practice uh, all sorts of orgies and still don't hurt the spirits, see. And then there were some that took the opposite extreme. Since it was evil, they tried to get in a, a, a cave, so to speak. They, they even believed it was sinful to marry. So uh, this thing, now both sides of that, uh, Gnosticism the, was uh, uh, connected with the Nicolaitans and uh, with uh, the sin of Balaam. You're going to have uh, his era, and that was, that was the trouble with Balaam, you remember. See, Balaam was a prophet that Balak wanted to curse Israel. But uh, instead of cursing Israel, uh, God saw to it that Balaam blessed Israel. But then later, uh, old, uh, uh, Balaam wanted to get Balak's money. See, he offered him a great song, and he wanted that. But uh, And he tried to, to accommodate uh, Balak, but the Lord uh, put his hand in the matter. Uh, but then later, uh, Balaam gave some advice to Balak. He said, now I'll tell you how you can... Uh, get what you want uh, about the Jews. And he enticed, he took his most beautiful women and enticed the Jews uh, to commit fornication, you see. And then to intermarry. All right, now, uh, uh, you, you're going to have uh, this uh, expression, I mean, uh, this problem to contend with, uh, fornication and eating meat that was offered to idols. Well, now, this eating meat that was offered to idols in these temples, you see, these pagan temples there in Diana in, uh, in Ephesus, uh, the problem was, uh, what, shall, what shall the church uh, at Ephesus do? Shall they uh, take this meat? Shall they eat it? Well, what happened? They'd offer uh, the animal and then put uh, and use only part of the animal in the sacrifice, take the animal and sell it to the marketplace, and the marketplace then would sell it publicly. All right, is it sinful for the, um, a member of the church at Ephesus to go up and buy this meat? See? And Paul uh, seems to have uh, vindicated that because he says there's nothing in the meat itself. See? Uh, and that was perfectly all right, and apparently was. But the point was, it was the, when they did wrong is when any member of the church at Ephesus would go into one of these pagan temples. You see, it was a, a sort of this open communion type of basis. Uh, and some of these people had, uh, members of the church had married pagans. Their wives weren't uh, uh, believers in Christ and vice versa. And uh, if a band says, well now then look, I'll go with you to your temple. Uh, you come go with me this week, you know, to, my, to your church there at Ephesus, and I'll go with you. Uh, all right, now if that man goes and eats with her, see, or that woman goes and eats with him, well then she uh, has sinned, see, and that's sinful. And, uh, and in that case, what has happened, the decrees, you remember the church conference that was held in Jerusalem? the Jerusalem church and, and Peter had gone and preached the gospel and there was Gentiles that had believed the message and Peter was ready to take them in because he had seen a, uh, got a, uh, he had seen the sheets coming down see and but these folks back in Jerusalem they didn't know about that well Peter comes back and 
And uh, there are others there, all the big shots are present. And they discuss the matter. And when when they finally get through, uh, they they say, well, now then we're going to come to this conclusion. James got up and summed it all up, you know. And he says, we don't want to burden the Gentiles. We don't want to put no burden on them more than they can bear. All we want them to do now is to abstain from meat offered to idols and from fornication. Now, that was the apostolic decree. That was circulated. The, the decree that, uh, that they wrote there in the 15th chapter of, uh, of Acts, that was circulated throughout all of the churches of the area. And now, over in Ephesus, you see, and Pergamos, especially Pergamos, and it was a problem to all of them because it was, it was at the door right there in their midst, everywhere, you see, and uh, was to violate the decrees of, of the uh, of the apostles uh, that James summed up. There was also the and we're not to eat blood, you know, and uh, of animals and so. On. Well, uh, let's see. Uh, down to verse five. Uh, uh, but we we finished five. Verse six. But this thou hast an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Now, <clears throat> this uh, is the charge uh, by the Lord Jesus through the Holy Spirit to the church at Ephesus. And he says, To him, uh, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith. Well, now, how are they going to hear it? They're not going to read this. Why? Because they've only got one copy. Uh, and uh, you have to go back to Colossians. Uh, as Paul ended the, the, the letter to the Colossians, he says, Now, you take this letter and you read it to the church at Colossians. You take it to Ephesus. You read it to the church at Ephesus, see? And, uh, and other churches, this letter. What it was, a person stood up in the church and read this letter, and he was to read this letter. Uh, he says, He that hath an ear, let him hear. See? It's not he that hath an eye and understanding, let him read. Why? Because they knew they weren't going to have this access to this copy, uh, this letter, uh, each church. And so, it had to be passed from one to another. It's just exactly like Jesus standing up in the synagogue and reading. Because uh, the synagogues had a copy uh, of the Old Testament scriptures. Uh, but the average person didn't have a copy. And uh, so uh, he says, To him uh, to him that over... Now notice it saith unto the churches, plural. And yet this letter here is directed to the angel of the church. See? Uh... At Ephesus. Singular. But when he concludes it, he says, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. It's just as necessary and important the church at Ephesus to understand what is written to Lot and Asia as it is for them to 
read and hear what was written to Ephesus. See? Let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. Well, what does he say to the churches? Well, the next church is Smyrna. See? Let him hear all of this. Don't just, don't just hear what's at the one. Because this is a message for each of these churches, and that's the reason why uh, the, this uh, in dispensationalism, they they hold to this idea that Ephesus represents a period of churches. See, of the early church, then Smyrna, the period of persecution that followed, and then uh, uh, the Pergamos, uh, the church. Uh, of the, the Middle Ages and Thyatira, you see the papal, the Catholic domination of the Middle Ages period, all of that. And then Sardis coming out of the, uh, the, uh, uh, the days of, uh, uh, of gloom, so to speak, and doom for the churches when it looked like they're all dead. And then, uh, you have Philadelphia, the, the bunch that escaped the, uh, the true, uh, the ones that preach the, the truer message. And then Laodicea is still representing the time. And they, they take the Philadelphia church to be the, the day of revival when, when they discovered, uh, the secret rapture of, of the church and, and, uh, some other late doctrines have come in. And that's what they call, uh, the Philadelphia period. And that now we are living in the uh, lot to see an age, and it, it can end any moment. If the Lord comes back, He can come tonight or tomorrow, and then the lot to see an age will end, and then we'll have the rapture, and then the tribulation. But, uh, the message to each church was that He was to hear what the Spirit said, not what this messenger said, not what some preacher said, not what John said, but what the Spirit said to the churches. All right, now what is the promise? Uh, and you have the promise to each of the churches, and each, uh, the overcomer in all of these churches is synonymous with the, with the child of God, uh, the one that has believed that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Uh, I don't think this refers to a particular class uh, of people, in other words, uh, some people uh, believe what they, uh, what is known as a partial rapture theory. Uh, some of the most outstanding men in history that have believed the partial rapture theory that's written books on it is G. H. Pember, G. H. Lang, and uh, 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 Sice, J. A. Sice, who's written a very uh, good book uh, commentary on the on the Book of Revelation. In fact, it's it was recognized as the norm. Anything that disagreed with it, well, you threw out the window for many, many years. But those three men, uh, the, uh, then there was a man by the name of Govet, G-O-V-E-T-T, uh, that believed that doctrine, but he, uh, he's not as, uh, well known as he's a pimber, is known primarily for his work on angels, angelology. Uh, he, uh, was a man that uh, said, uh, taught that, uh, the, uh, uh, the sons of God in Genesis 6 were, uh, angels that married, uh, wicked, uh, 
daughters of uh, of Ham, see, uh, all of the uh, the bad little girls. Well, but uh, he's known for that more than he is his work on Revelation. But anyway, uh, to him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Now, this is a promise. The charge is to be faithful. The charge is to, is to hear what the Spirit says. And certainly the charge is to uh, obedience even unto death. See, that's what a witness is. That's, and ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, and in Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, ye shall be martyrs unto me. Take up my cross, see. Uh, the Lord said uh, upon you. Well, now, what is a cross? A cross ain't good for a thing in the world except to die on. That's all that we're ever used for, to be crucified on until uh, different people started making trinklets out of it. See? But uh, the Romans used the cross to put people to death, especially special types of criminals, see? Uh, and so, so Jesus, that's what Jesus said. Uh, and uh, and the ultimate obedience as a child of God is to die for the Lord. And there's nothing unusual. That's not out of the ordinary. That was what uh, Jesus said would happen to you and might be here a lot when you followed him. For in the world you shall have tribulation. See? Why? He said they'd deliver you up uh, to these synagogues. They'd kill you, they'd put you to death, thinking, thinking that they were doing God's service, believing that they were worshiping right. See? And, uh, uh, see, that, that's not preached too much today in evangelical circles. They, uh, these fellows that's always wanting them to raise their hand, uh, they don't tell them that, see. Uh, now, if you're not willing to die, don't you raise your hand, see. That's not, uh, they never put that in there. It's always, the Lord will help you, see. Well, that's true. All right. Uh, the Lord, but uh, the point is, we don't get the proper message over. People are afraid of persecution. Afraid, people are afraid of tribulation. So much so that uh, the, the pre-tribbers, boy, they just ain't going to have no part of it. They're going to have a theology that will get them out of the world before this tribulation happens. They just can't have that. But now the Lord is cautioning each of these churches. Uh, and, uh, and, and if it's just in one church, it still pertains to all the other six to be faithful unto death, see. Because each one of them says, uh, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. So, uh, each of the messages to, is to every child of God. Now he says, to him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Now the tree of life. You see, where do we, where do we read, about, read about that in Genesis, don't you? See? Now then, here is a hope in the future. It's put in here. Here's, here's an incentive. Here's, here's something that tells you uh, what uh, what's in store for the child of God to the overcomer? What does it mean? The tree of life. Why? Why was it that God didn't want 
Adam and Eve to eat the tree of life. The fruit of that tree. It was because that if they had eaten, they would have lived forever in a sinful body. This has to do with immortality. In other words, you're going to have every overcomer, every child of God, is going to have an immortal body. Paul tells us that in the first in in First uh, Corinthians chapter fifteen. This mortal must put on immortality. See why? Because uh, when Adam sinned. Any hope of immortality, living forever, see, that was, that was, that was doomed. That brought the verdict. Now then, here it is, he will eat of the tree of life. That means that the, instead of, uh, uh, instead of, uh, having this sword, the angels was aiming sword, see, so that, uh, the only approach to the tree uh, to life now is through a sacrifice that uh, uh, which uh, Abel uh, depicted in his in his offering. See, and now uh, uh, the the man, the child of God, is promised. The first great promise is the is the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. All right, you turn to the the last two chapters of this book. Of Revelation, and you uh, and you read about the paradise of God. You read uh, about uh, uh, the the God Himself coming down. The word paradise, Xenophon introduced it into the Greek language while he was a roving reporter while he was in the army, Alexander's army. Uh, and when he got to Persia, he saw all of these. Uh, how the Persians delighted in the in the gardens, and, and that was the neighborhood of the Garden of Eden. You see, uh, to them a garden was a place of delight, a place of joy. It was a place where uh, there was plenty of fruit trees, and uh, and everything that a man needed to live, uh, it was in that garden. And uh, you know when uh, when the children of Israel, uh, when the children of Judah. Uh, went into Babylonian captivity. Uh, one of the things that Jeremiah, you remember, told him in the 29th chapter, he said, uh, when you get down there, he says, you build gardens. Build paradises. Why? Jeremiah says, you're going to be there 70 years. Oh, but there were some false prophets among them said, oh no, that's not so. We won't be there but a little while. We'll come back. We'll show up. And Jeremiah came back and said, you're going to be there 70 years. You build gardens. You support yourself. You get ready to live. You let your children marry. You let them marry one another. And uh, and let your daughters and your sons uh, marry. And uh, he says, uh, uh, because, uh, so in order that you they can come back strong, because God's not true with the Jews. And he says, you're going to come back to Jerusalem. And Jeremiah told him that. He warned him about it. But the garden uh, is a place that uh, uh, was a word in the Persian language which meant uh, uh, there's, uh, it expressed the satisfaction, uh, perfect satisfaction of man. 
He, 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 he had no need. He lacked for nothing. He wanted for nothing. And he enjoyed living the pleasures and the life. Now, of course, that's just a figure of speech. And yet it was brought over into the Greek language and then into the Bible uh, with reference to the paradise of God. You know, when, uh, to, uh, when the Lord Jesus used the word to the thief on the cross, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Well, paradise is, uh, is, the, is the portion of Hades, the, the unseen world, see, the place of departed spirits for the children of God. And when uh, he gave uh, the uh, uh, the illustration about the rich man or the fact of the rich man, the history, uh, that the rich man died and in hell lifted up his eyes. See, but the beggar, see, was seen in Abraham's bosom. Paradise. Abraham's bosom. Place of plenty. Joy. Rest. Peace, you see. Protection. Why? Because Father Abraham. Well, if you're under Father Abraham's care, why, what more did a Jew want, see? I mean, it's figures of speech to, to show the sovereignty of God, the, the providence of God, and the protection of God of his children. And everyone, he says, now they'll eat of the tree of life, which means that they'll live forever. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and share with a friend. Be steadfast, unmovable always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord.